enemies are as old as mankind. In biblical times, people would uh, use gourds and hollow vines to administer enemas to themselves. In fact, uh, even the ancient Egyptians used uh, blowpipes to force the liquids into the anus. But in these modern times, we simply use the power of gravity to allow the water to seek its own level. Now then, here we have a one-liter bag. This is what we're going to use today for your enema, Pamela. As you notice, the bag has a tube attached to it and a clamp. Now for the most important part, the selection of a nozzle. At first I thought I would use a standard nozzle, but I don't know. For Pamela, Pamela. Pamela is an uncommon girl, therefore I think she needs an uncommon enema. Welcome to Twitch of the Death Nerve, a cult movie podcast that takes a deep dive into a different topic each episode. Our wide-ranging discussions will touch on genre, culture, and the history of psychotronic cinema. I'm Charles. I'm Sam, but for this episode, you can call me Buster Hyman. <laughs> I'm probably going to call you Mango Rita. <laughs> and goddamn, I am psyched for today's episode. We've been doing this show for a couple years now, and I thought I was done having nervous jitters the night before recording. Uh, you know, I thought I was fully blossomed into a podcasting extraordinaire, a boy wonder. But last night, I, I couldn't sleep. I was reading my notes and just like going down rabbit holes and just like reading as much as I could and I just, you know, was freaking out, man. You know, I kept going over everything and, and now I'm all worked up like some sweaty, frantic, Polanski protagonist. And anyway, today on the program, we're going to be discussing the golden age of porn while specifically focusing in on one of our favorite actors and performers, Jamie Gillis. And to help keep the conversation grounded and my flights of fancy under control, we are joined by the great Sean Porter. Welcome to the show, Sean. Glad to be here. Throughout the years, Sean's work archiving photos, videos, and perhaps most importantly, stories from the body art subculture revival that began in the 1960s has been truly invaluable. His specialized focus on the connection between piercers and tattooists with the gay leather scene and the LGBTQ scene more broadly, it's truly remarkable, and I highly encourage anyone, anyone at all, who is even remotely interested in that history to follow Sean on Patreon and social media for just a seemingly limitless archive of ultra-rare vintage photographs and smut, glorious, glorious smut. We're honored to have you on the show, and to kick things off, I got two questions. First one's for you, Sam. What is, or what was, the golden age of porn? So, the golden age of porn, I think the simplest definition, it started around the late 60s, ends kind of around the mid-80s, but to me, it represents films that weren't just attempting to be stag loops. They were attempting to tell full stories and also have hardcore sex scenes. And I think another component is this idea of porno chic, where you have this sadly brief period where the mainstream public gets interested in porn and, you know, people go to the theater to see things like Deep Throat. But what's so special about it is you have directors like Radley Metzger and Gerard Damiano 
who have an actual vision and they are incredibly talented. A lot of their films are really, really beautiful. And so I think it's in many ways the opposite experience that a lot of people get from contemporary porn that you can find on places like Pornhub, where it's like everybody looks like a Barbie doll and, you know, there are only certain types of things that you see. Whereas in the golden age of porn, half of the porn stars just look like regular people. The one thing that I'm, I'm very curious about is that sometimes I'll be telling people about the golden age of porn and I'll be telling people about you, Sam. And, uh, and I say, oh, well, she got her start doing like porno commentaries and they're always like shocked. And then I'll say like, yeah, in, in the 70s, people would go to the theater with, like, members of their family or friends. Or, or like, or, first dates. Yeah, I mean, why was there a period of time where that was just, like, not just socially acceptable, but almost a, a normal thing to do? How did that even happen? I mean, I think some of it is you have all of that, like, 60s summer of love explosion that's a reaction against the conservatism of the 50s. And so people are like, I want to be free. I want to be able to have sex outside of marriage. And I want to be able to watch these fireworks going off while Linda Lovelace comes from her clitoris in the back of her throat. Well, there it is, you little bugger. There it is. What? <laughs> Your clitoris, it's deep down in the bottom of your throat. <laughs> now, now, Miss Lovelace. Listen, having a clitoris deep down in the bottom of your throat is better than having no clitoris at all. I watched Deep Throat last night for the first time, and... Which is wild. It, I know, right? Congratulations. I, I went my whole life without it. And, I mean, I, I wasn't really blown away by it. I mean, it was, it was a fine movie. It was funny. I had a good time. It's dumb and funny. But I, I have this feeling that because there was this controversy around it, that it was banned in a bunch of states, there was just this energy that says, fuck your moral majority whatever values. And people would go see it almost as an act of subversion or protest or something. And that was a cool thing to do. If you just weren't someone with like a stick up your ass, fucking it's, it's wing definitely long. tied to that like late 60s, early 70s, really widespread embrasure of the counterculture that I think goes yeah. to everything from like drug use. Totally. And different Be, kinds being of subversive music. was fucking cool. You and also, like you can't underestimate the impact of the birth control pill. You know, the, the sexual freedom of the late 60s, early 70s, you have birth control, you have women getting into the workplace in, in numbers that they had previously not, and they could set their own sexual compass without having to worry about unplanned pregnancy and all that. And things just kind of go very, very... Buck wild from there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. So who is Jamie Gillis? Jamie is... <laughs> that's a... <laughs> Christ, that's a big one. What, what isn't Jamie? <laughs> Jamie Gillis is dangerous vulnerability incarnate he's this guy that 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 you as soon as you watch a movie with jamie gillis jamie is the first thing you're going to notice even if yeah. you can't remember anybody else who's in the movie you're gonna you're gonna lock eyes Truly. with jamie and he's going to be the character you follow whether it's whether it's water power whether it's 
any of the other films, he's the most interesting thing in it. Even when it's a, a primarily non-sexual role, yeah. this is a guy, he was, he was, I believe, a French lit major at Columbia. He graduated. Yeah, smart guy. Yeah, graduated magna cum laude, I believe. Mm-hmm. Could have been in legitimate film. Uh, the offers were there. I know he was in, infamously was in Nighthawks. He's in Nighthawks, yeah. and he's like one of the, I mean, Nighthawks is a wild movie that I don't want to spoil I've for anyone who oh. hasn't seen it, but... Jamie has this cameo as this flamboyant fashion designer and almost steals the movie. That was Rucker Howard's first American film. Yeah. Yes. And Stallone's in that, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. I wonder if one of the reasons why they threw Jamie Gillis a bone for that role was because Stallone also got his start in a hardcore film. I think Jamie just knew everybody. I mean, he, yeah. was, he, was, su- he was born in New York. He died in New York. He did live in, in the Bay Area for a while, I, I want to say, but, but yeah. he was a New York guy. I mean, he was yeah. even a fucking New York cab driver. While he was a cab driver, he saw an ad in Village, Village Voice, Voice maybe, I think. looking for talent for 8 millimeters. And here's a guy whose life was dominated, frankly, by his inability to control his desire to fuck. Yeah. You know, I mean, it was the best and worst thing in his life. It was this constant thing in his life yeah. is this need to fuck as much as humanly possible. Some of what makes him such an unusual performer is, you know, when you watch porn films now, even if you're watching like a big budget remake of Aladdin as a porn or something that's not, like... Are they even still making that shit anymore? They made an Avatar porn. Yeah. Oh, hell yeah. But, All right, but never mind. Like, that's cool. The types of roles that Jamie has, they range from these like funnier, lighter, more charismatic roles to these like really, really dark characters in things like water power and corruption a little bit. And we'll, we'll talk about some of the titles as we go, but that, I do, think, do you know the other night? So the other night, uh, uh, Sam, Charlie and I were able to, to watch some Gillis movies and we were watching one and I remember leaning up to you and saying, this is when he just became Gillis. Yeah, when yeah. it's just him, it's he, not the character. The character at Seymour Love was this, you know, affable, wacky sexologist. Oh, oh a, opening a Misty Beethoven. I was told yeah. not to say the title, Charlie. I just meant in the in the early <laughs> part of the conversation. You're like, all right, I'm. But I'm a but, but yeah, like you know, you're wa- you're watching Seymour Love, and then this 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 in the middle of the sex scene, you see Jamie, and that's what he brought to it. Is he brought this this dangerous yeah. unpredictable yeah. energy it was and, real and i yes. think i think that's what you were when you were saying earlier that he was someone you couldn't take your eyes off of because he's a great actor but also there is this realness there this very raw like animalistic and i don't just mean in a like gazy eyes wide open way but in a way that's just like you're just drawn to him, kind of like a great actor like uh, Mifune or something. He's someone who you can't stop fucking the looking presence, at. Think the about like... 1980s Cruz and Pacino. You yeah. Could, you could have put him side by side with Gillis and neither one of them would have been outmatched. No, you're, you're yeah. 100% right. It's funny. I I told my mom earlier this week, I'm like, ah, oh, we're doing a new episode. I let's keep my mom updated on my sure. life. <laughs> and, uh, and I told her that it was on porn and she's like, oh, why would you want to talk about that? You know, and... Uh, and I was like, yeah, it's in like the 70s when porn had stories. And she's like, I don't know about any of that stuff. And she kind of did this hand wavy stuff. And I was like, do you know, no, you don't know anyone in those movies? And she's like, well, uh, there's the guy with the mustache, John Holmes. And then she's like, and then there's the, the, the dark haired guy who I kind of liked. 
And I was like, ooh, mom, it's Jamie Gillis, you know, like. And, and this is something I've spent my entire adult life hoping that someday somebody will apply to me. But he's a gentleman pervert. I'm feel, so glad you said you that. You feel like you could talk to him about art and culture and politics and religion. And, and then get pissed on by it. Then get pissed on. Yeah. And, yeah. OK, but so this is why I specifically wanted to have you on the show for our Jamie Gillis episode. Did you refer to me as a gentleman pervert I to somebody did. other than me? Well, I did just now on the podcast. No, no, we were talking about this the other day. We're we like, know oh, we perfect, we were know? because so my I, life I, has meaning. I'm I'm gonna have to change your name in my phone. <laughs> well, your name is changed in my phone already, Mango. But whatever. <laughs> I mean, Jamie does have a great Mango line. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. Oh, yes. what's the line? Oh, it's so good. Uh, uh, suck his cock like a ripe mango or something, something like, like that. that. Yeah. <laughs> but they like so keep good. repeating it. It's this wonderful motif. It's okay. the repetition wait, that makes wait, it wait. erotic. So to the gentleman pervert thing, my favorite thing about Jamie and like how I became a fan of his work is unlike the majority of male porn actors from that period or really any period you get the sense that people do a specific type of work like a lot of the straight guys just do straight porn and a lot of the gay guys just do gay porn and there's some crossover like wade nichols who was gay in life would do straight later peter north yes later peter north definitely but jamie just i think has this really unique anything goes he's down for fucking anything energy anything you know and he's gonna do it with enthusiasm so the but line, that's how i feel about you too the, thank you, thank you man. The, the quote that I, I wrote down for this because you know obviously i, I don't want to embarrass myself in front of mango is <laughs> i belonged in a rolls royce or at the bowery i just couldn't tell wit oh beautiful and, oh. And, and it just that just it was it was during his when he was 34 it was after he had done uh, Misty Beethoven and he goes to Europe there's a great Rialto episode on on his personal tapes and he was in this existential crisis i'm 34 years old i'm in a industry that values youth who am i where am i going to go from here and and it's that it's that degeneracy it's this guy who could talk art could talk culture yeah but also made the Walking Toilet Bowl series that yeah. is is hard to watch. It's not pornography. Yeah. So, it's just filth. I, and I don't think he minds. No. I don't think so either. I I actually had never really seen a Jamie Gillis movie for a long time. I knew about Water Power. There's like only a few movies in the world that I'm intimidated by. And that was one of them. That was one of the ones where it's like it sat on the shelf for a while. Like one of the other ones is I Spit on Your Grave. I've still never seen that. And I think the Wicker Man remake. But (laughs) (laughs) last October, I watched for the first time Dracula Sucks. And fuck. Yeah, we we put it in our Halloween, our 24 hour at home Halloween marathon. Yeah. And and, I mean, objectively a good movie. Yeah, it was really fun. I, I was surprised how much I liked it. But I still had like when I saw him. It reminded me of when I was a kid, and I, I had never seen any of the Nightmare on Elm Street movies, but I was afraid of Freddy Krueger. You know what I mean? Like, I was afraid <laughs> of the guy before I'd seen any of the movies. So watching this Dracula Sucks movie, I'm like, oh, this is the, this is James this Gillis. This is the guy. So I, w- I was already kind of on edge, and it took me a little while to, like, loosen up and have fun with the movies. It's really fun. And it was at the screening that, that we did recently of opening of Misty Beethoven, where I was like, oh, my gosh, I get it. Like, he is incredible like he's just magnetic and i don't know and and last night i i finally did the 
did the thing. You took the plunge, I took the as plunge. it were? I did. <laughs> <laughs> I got wet. Uh, I watched Water Power and... Yeah, uh, how, how do you feel? Okay, so... So so the first question is, which version did you watch? I watched the... Um, ultimate Anima Cut? Yes, the Ultimate Anima Cut is what I watched. So it would I'm so sw- proud. It would switch to this like German VHS tape every so often. That's the version I screened for an unsuspecting audience at Philomoca. And yeah. that, that, you telling me that you screened it for an audience is when I became friends smitten with you. Because it's, that's that's a bit much, Sam. It, like, yeah, no, like, it, it is. And, it and is. We could talk about that in a minute. No, I, I, I don't mind. I, I feel like I've heard so much about that screening over the years. And one of the things that you that you and everyone kind of brings up is that people would walk out of the movie at like different stages, you know, like some people walked out when the opening credits were playing and there was some like dick sucking still images, you know, and they're like, okay, all right, all right, I got to go. Yeah. The people who walked out after the second blowjob, I was like, you made it through the first blowjob. What happened with the second one? No. So (laughs) now that I've seen the movie, I fucking get it. The first half is genuinely terrifying. And that blowjob in particular is scary. Like it's not a rape or sexual assault or anything, but the music, it's so unsettling. And like to see a blowjob, that just makes your skin crawl and your bones chill. It's, I, I get it. I, I get why that didn't just upset, you know, prudish sensibilities, but was something that was scary and people were not ready for at a mystery movie screening, you know? And, and I. Oh, did you not announce what they, you were going to be showing? I gave like a 10 minute lecture beforehand and I said, so part of the reason why I screened it, you know, on past episodes, we've talked about how we go to this great local venue called Filamoca. We belong to this film club called the Psychotronic Film Club. And at that point, when I screened Water Power, we were just like stuck in this rut of people showing so bad they're meant to be laughed at, Neil Breen style movies. And I was like, all right, children, you need an education in the full spectrum of what psychotronic means. Yeah, you're pulling the fucking sheet off the table. And so I said, you know, I'm showing a hardcore film. This is something that definitely counts under the umbrella of cult cinema and psychotronic cinema. A lot of these films from the 70s, from the golden age, have all kinds of deeply weird surrealism and genre elements and these like terrifying moments like in Water Power. So I said, we will be watching a film with an enema bandit. So there will be rape, there will be multiple enemas, there will be hardcore sex. Yes, it's all here. It's it's there. And so it wasn't like I said, you know, enjoy the movie. (laughs) Sure. But I I also didn't say you're about to watch an underage performer (laughs) get an enema. Sure. There was someone who later, I think a year after that screening, played uh, Gestapo's Last Orgy. No, that was before me. Okay. And he went out and My just friend said, Mike. this one's for all the history buffs out there. <laughs> and just like, and that was the only intro he gave. <laughs> and it caused, it caused so much chaos, yeah. understandably. I mean, I, I am, I mean, I'm all for like trigger warnings for that kind of shit. Like sure. people should know, like I, I'm against spoilers, 
But I mean, people should know what they're getting into. I, I love spoilers. I don't. So I don't do fuck I. With them. I, I, I want to know all the spoilers. I, I want to read the last page before I read the first one because I, my, my head starts filling in all the what ifs. And then I'm disappointed that they didn't go down the routes I would. That's oh, exactly no. what happens to me. You guys are fucking You can watch freaks. the end of Water Power first, and I think it'll give you more context <laughs> wow. of what's going to happen over the rest of the film. November 3rd. I've never felt quite so clean as I do now. I've decided to equip myself, so I went to several stores and got myself more enemy equipment. If this is to be my life's work, then I must be prepared for any eventuality which might arise. It's true that I have to clean these dirty whores out, but I also have to do it right. I can't just stick tubes up their asses and hope for the best. No, an enema is more meaningful than that. I see a whore and I clean her out. I know it sounds simple, but giving an enema is an important responsibility. After all, it's my job. Oh my God. I kind of want to go back to the opening of Misty Beethoven. A A nice movie, you know, a wholesome movie. Also, arguably, if you're listening to this episode and you've never really seen a golden age of porn film, Opening of Misty Beethoven That's the one. is arguably the best from a production standpoint, but it's also the easiest to start with it's a in a way time. because it's, it's so, so classy. F- yeah, it's so fun. And like, there's a thing that a lot of porno movies that I've seen from the Golden Age do that I'm just kind of annoyed by. And it's something that like even Hollywood movies do where the movie opens and you got to have a sex scene. You got to like uh, off the jump, you got to like, okay, this is the kind of movie we're doing here here it is but it's always so uh just like perfunctory and it's like okay let's get through this get to the movie and then give me the hot stuff you whereas know? this one we get to see napoleon get a really uncomfortable hand job by constance money it's yeah, you're wonderful by constance money wearing the most unfortunate lip liner in the history of she lip looks liner. like the extra in a 70s bully video <laughs> yeah but, but you know again we, we get into the gentleman pervert it's fucking pygmalion it is it literally it's literally, is pygmalion. It's literally my fair lady it's literally pygmalion and and i believe mango knows this but this is my my it was the first porno movie i watched as a movie yeah and i i was wrong I, I i thought it was my dad's tape one of the sock drawer tapes but it was my buddy henry had lent it to me and i was i was thinking about it the other day because i'm like no did my dad have misty beethoven and i had this core memory that was just wrong that yeah awesome. that's yeah that's how core memories work <laughs> and i remember you know like we you know we had dirty magazines and stuff but never and i watched like five minutes here i think the first one i watched my dad had ron jeremy in it oh kidding. yeah did you have woods porn when you were a kid I love the concept of Woods Point. Oh my God, it, I fucking love so Woods Point. I warned you guys before we started that I run rabbits like Elmer Fudd. So we're going to run a rabbit right now. So I have been trying for the last couple of years to do a zine on Woods Point. Hell oh yes. gosh, fucking do it. Everyone, Everyone's got a story, man. Here's the problem with everyone having the story is they have these amazing stories. There was a, a friend of ours in New Jersey who they had some Woods porn that they shared as a group of friends. Yes. And the rule was to never take it home. 
Yeah, thou shalt not. Woods, yes, of course. One of them took it home. Oh mm. no! His mother finds it. It's uh. like feeding the gremlins after midnight. Oh no! Did he fucking narc everybody <laughs> out? Or? Oh, so much better. So he told his mother that there was this homeless man in the woods that makes the kids look at it because you can't accept any blame. Oh Jesus! His oh, mother, and this no. would have been given his age. This would have been around my age, right? This would have been the eighties. So his mother then no. starts contacting the other mothers. He starts contacting the other kids. Somebody goes over and decides to set the adult magazines on fire oh, to get Jesus. rid of the evidence. God, I fucking love kids. Kids are so fucking cool. They start a, <laughs> they start a forest fire. <gasps> now, having told you somebody else's story, he tells me the story while he's tattooing me, not to give any spoilers on who it is. I only get tattooed by a few people. And he's telling me the story. I'm like, dude, you got you to write this down. You, you, like, this has to be, this has to be the the ending of my zine. Wow. That yes. is a magical Every story. Every single person who has these amazing stories. I lived, I lived in the middle of rural Florida. There was a bend near my farm where kids had a mattress for gang bangs. There'd always be dirty magazines like our Whoa. wood porn was wow. great. So yeah, people you didn't, in Florida, you, didn't well, you live by fucking you Tampa. Swamp yeah. porn. Tampa, well, swamp <laughs> Tampa is like one of the most perverted cities in the United States. 100%. Nobody gets that. They think the South is conservative, whereas you go to Tampa, there's a titty yeah. bar in every corner. Every there's corner. There's a bookstore in every corner. Everybody's wearing basketball shorts everywhere you look. Yeah. Yeah. But, but wood por- woods porn is of special interest to me. So if anyone's listening to this has a wood porn story, get in touch with oh, Sam. Oh, please do. We will put this in print because you all have it. There was just actually, so we have a a Discord for Twitch of the Death Nerve full of wonderful people having amazing conversations. But like a week ago, there was a whole whole conversation about woods porn. It's such a mystical thing that you think would be like... You uh, don't want to do a these kids today don't get it, but these kids today who can just go on the internet get porn have no idea what it's like picking up a sun-damaged half wet porno magazine they find in the woods half the pages are stuck together instead of avoiding the stuck together pages you know those are the good ones so you had to crack it open that's that's a memory these kids are never gonna have yeah and it's yeah it builds character (laughs) if if not character conviction i was laying down on the leaves a pile of leaves kind of watching my pool and looking up the sky sure and uh, all of a sudden, I felt like something was near me, right? You know, kind of a eerie feeling. It, it was like a woman, only on her arm, on her hands and everything. It was like hair, like a real dark, almost black hair. Uh-huh. Like, like a horse. Like fur? Yeah, like a fur, like horse fur. Then her arm, she had like a shawl, right? Wool shawl over her. And she scared you? She threatened you? And she didn't say anything, but she just kept staring and then she opened up her shawl. And what was under there? So (laughs) I guess other than, than water power and the opening of Missy Beethoven, which I think are probably the most obvious and go to answers for the question of what's your favorite Jamie Gillis movie? Uh, other than those two, what's your favorite Jamie Gillis movie? Jesus. So, I mean, like, he, he had notable appearances and stuff. Like, Barbara Broadcast is a good one, but his part was, I think, filmed for a different movie. And yeah, just, everybody just... has pretty small, aside from Annette Haven and, and Constance Money, I think. What's, what's so, Barbara Broadcast? Barbara Broadcast is a film that Radley Metzger made after misty beethoven and it feels it, it doesn't have as much of a coherent plot it's basically but it does have cj lang 
CJ Lang is oh. so fucking good in it. It also has Wade Nichols, who I am oh, kind the, of obsessed with. The water with. sports scene in the kitchen. Yes. Jesus Christ. So I love you guys. You, you will love Barber Broadcast. Basically, it's this fancy upscale restaurant where the whole movie is set. And you can order food and you can order sexual acts. Oh, Remember yeah. the, the porno Michael J. Pollard from Corruption? Yeah, the, yeah, the yeah. weird guy who kind of looks like a chimpanzee. What's that? What's that guy's name? Yeah. Oh, I, I 100% know who you're talking that about. That guy's yeah. in it. Everyone's in it. You don't want to see that guy naked. Anymore. No. You no. Do. That's what I love about these movies is that the, the people that show up are like kind of, uh, a lot of times there's like New York City crazies who are in these movies who are like famous crazies, like like Brother Theodore shows up in gums and god damn among other things i know and, and for <laughs> me i i always knew him oh he's the he's the guy in the burbs yeah. you know that's who he was to me and then when i saw gums i was like holy shit what's going on here well remember we saw the guy from the um oh the, the guy from gates of hell from the aronofsky movies as well oh he, yes. he's just a passenger on the plane yeah. james hong was in china, china girl. girl yeah when i saw china girl i which i love by the Wait, way james hong is in china girl J- james the man's hong. never met a job he won't take for the right price Gosh, God bless or him. a toupee that he won't wear at the but, fanciest event but also if you see the movie he directed it's quite clear oh. that james hong is i he's love one that of movie. us What's he's it a called? pervert the, the graveyard the vineyard yes the oh vineyard hell is yeah beautiful james Hong is awesome. So he doesn't have a sex scene in China Girl, but he's he is in it. It's sort of like Michael Pataki in some of those John Hayes movies where he does have sex scenes. They're just not hardcore. So it's like it's sort of weird to see a mainstream actor you recognize yeah. from things like fucking Star Trek doing a softcore sex scene in a hardcore it movie. It truly was a at just a different time. One of the most interesting things that I think I read the other night was about this guy who was in a a Broadway musical and he had like a close to the lead role, but he was like one of the one of the main guys in this musical. And a member of the cast, I think like the lead actress in the play, went to see a hardcore movie with her mother in New York and she recognized her co-star and was like, <laughs> holy shit, you're in this movie? And like and he was like obviously doing using a different name and well this to me is so representative of the golden age of porn is this this period of possibility when you have people like uh fucking bill lustig the horror director he Uh. made this movie called the violation of claudia that jamie is in that's a hardcore movie and people like john rollin who made all these you know surreal horror films he was also making hardcore movies and a lot of those guys felt like now we have an opportunity to make real movies with actual sex in them. Yeah. And then by the end of the 70s, the window kind of closes it did. forever. And it's, it's, it sucks. I mean, it's such an interesting time. And, and fucking Wes Craven directed a, a, a hardcore movie. And this is what blows my mind. Fireworks Woman. Fireworks Woman, Angela, yeah. yeah. And, and he made that after Last House on the Left. Like, this wasn't, like, some shameful thing he did to get his foot in the door. He was fucking in the door. He already made a huge hit horror movie, and then he's like, yeah, I'm gonna make a porno now. And it's it's just so indicative of a time that is it's just so different from the world we live in. We think that right now we are at, like, 
a new peak of, you know, liberal thought. I mean, obviously not really. We're in fucking regressive hell. But I mean, <laughs> you, you'd like to think that you're in this like different time when you look at the fucking 70s. And it's like we were so much less prudish and censored and... It's fucking crazy, man. So I'm, I'm going to give a little love to, to Uncle Jesse Nelson. Uh, Jesse took me to the Alamo Draft House with him in Yonkers with, for an event with Bill Lustig and knew that I was going to fanboy out pretty hard because yeah. he had worked with Jamie. And after the, after, I think it was, a, it was, it was Jesse's first time ever seeing Maniac. Whoa. Which, wow. was, which was amazing. We did a double feature of Maniac and um, Donald Duck Voice. Oh, New, New York, York Ripper. 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 Yeah, with, yeah, with yeah. Bill there. And Jesse, we just had on our on an episode on Cauldron. Yeah, he runs we, Cauldron. We films. love we love Uncle Jesse so much. We do. But, we but, do. He, but he just he knew he knew that I was going to fanboy out. And afterwards, we're sitting there and they're packing up. He had brought some merch to sell, and and, and we're 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 talking to Bill. And I casually bring up Jamie, and you know, have you guys talked to Bill? Yes, Bill's a man of many stories. Charm incarnate. Extremely he gets charming. So excited. He's like, oh. Jamie you know and he just he sits there telling me this story about working with Jamie and I think I was maybe either vibrating or levitating I couldn't quite tell because here's this guy who's just who's who's made so many films that we love non-pornographic and here he is through the entirety of his career I could have talked to him about Joe Spinell I could have talked to him about whatever I'm talking about Gillis and he he was just so charming. You know, he's probably told the same stories to fanboys his entire career. At no point did he make me feel like an asshole. And he's like, oh, Jamie's such a good guy, you know, and it was just he's it was I was one person away from Jamie Gillis. Yeah, like I was talking to somebody who knew him. And I, you know, I I tend not to fanboy, but when I do. Yeah, yeah. Jamie seems to kind of bring that out in people like when word got around that i screened water power i i definitely met other people who had the same reaction you did where they were like we're friends now i interviewed the director peter strickland a couple years ago and whoever it was that connected us i think maybe kayla janice was like oh you should let this person interview you you guys have stuff in common she just screened water power and he was like oh now we're friends that's it (laughs) yeah it's, yeah, I mean, it's it, like you're it part of a secret is, society. Yeah, it's a handshake movie. We were destined movie. to be friends anyway. Yes. But when I found out that you, because, you know, like I've shown Water Power at my own little private theater that I had for a while, but it was like to two, you, you unleashed it on people. people. Yeah. Normal people. Many of them like walked out. People. Who are not like us. No. no. I was, I was educating them. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I should say Jamie was educating he them. He was. I was just the conduit. It really is a fucking scary movie. Like It's terrifying. There's an undercurrent of dread, of and malice. Nausea. Were either of you alive in the 70s? I no. I can't remember. Okay. So as the only one in the room who was alive in the 70s, all six years that I managed, um, it was weird, man. Like there were gas shortages. We had just like almost like indicted a president. The summer of love, you know, ended sixty nine yeah. like ended with the Manson badly. killings, and there was this there was this existential dread in America. Like who who are we? What is America? And that movie, just like Schrader's screenplay for Taxi Driver, just like a lot of those New York movies, that movie could not have been made in California. No, absolutely not. That movie could not, not. have been made no. anywhere other no. than New York. That movie could not have been made with anyone other than Jamie Gillis. I love uh, 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 Harry Reams. I love a lot of the the old school guys. Nobody could have played that role. They would have played it for comedy. Yeah. Yeah. They would have played it with like a, a stock footage bad guy yeah. from the 1960s. Yeah. Gillis comes in and 
And he does something in that movie that, again, you know, Pacino does in Cruising, that, again, that De Niro does in, in Taxi Driver. He just changes it into something else. And I think that I would give it so much less credit if I hadn't just watched the opening of Misty Beethoven and been just swooning over this charming, handsome man that I loved, you know, who was like skipping around like fucking Willy Wonka, you know, and now uh, it's a different person. You can and it's 100% just... masturbate to opening Misty Beethoven. I defy you to masturbate to water. I bet no. there are people who have, no. but also like if so... we haven't, I don't want to meet these people. Yeah, I, 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 I have to admit, syndrome. I for sure have not, but I probably have not either. <laughs> all right. All right. All right. It's on the record now. You guys are all clean. You're well, all washed of your sins. I mean, all the other Jamie movies from that period well not winter heat so he's in this movie called winter heat that's also 1976 and cabin cabin in the snow yes it's sort of like last house on the left but with a lot more rape it's brutal i think i have this theory that 1976 might be my favorite year for movies because so many of them do have this really dark nihilistic quality wait so 76 was water power and misty beethoven right? and he, he did through it. He... and through the looking glass which we haven't brought up yet he's fucking terrifying he basically Whoa. plays this like wait through the looking glass isn't a nice movie no, no. through the oh looking my God. glass it's not an alice in wonderland That's, oh my god so uh, for this episode i didn't want to watch every single jamie gillis movie because i wanted to like you know i wanted to Have leave some. myself a yeah. nice treat for later and i was like oh through the looking glass this sounds like a nice movie i'll save that for like a Friday night when I'm feeling good. It's the scariest movie I've maybe ever seen. I thought it was, I, I was misremembering it as one of those Alice in Wonderland style things. Yeah. Which and, there are many or of. Cinderella. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And, and when you suggested it as one of the titles, because I was going to go Dracula Sucks for the third that we watched. Um, I, I, I allocated it. I watched it. And of course, you know, at some point somebody brings out the douchebag and you're like, Jamie. Oh, yeah. Like, he had it in his fucking pocket. Like, man, like he's know? not in the scene, but you're just like, Okay, yeah, I guarantee you they were like, oh, what should we do in scene six? And Jamie's like, uh, douchebag. Douche. It's like a surreal horror gothic story about this woman getting, going back to this like castle where she grew up and experienced child abuse. And she has these like alternate dimension nightmares about it and jamie plays this like incubus Whoa. demon it's jesus christ it sounds like the witch who came from the sea or something except for with a guy masturbating with his thumb in a weird way oh that's jamie's thing <laughs> it's his thing he's got the thumb thing going. he's the only guy in porn who does the thumb thing someone needs to step it up i'm just saying you know <laughs> no it's, it's it's very it's very nihilistic and again you know you you have to look at the context of these movies so uh, uh throat was 74 yeah, it's early. It's 73, 74. Yeah. And it's this kind of celebration of, like I said, of, of, of sexual empowerment, of birth control, having, being able to have sex on your own terms. And something just flipped. And, and you start seeing the grittier stuff. Well, and, 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 you know, when you have Jamie, he's going to be the grittiest part of the gritty movie. So Ooh. I think the, the one thing that I do really appreciate about all these movies, even like the very perfunctory ones that I've seen, is like, like, like Deep Throat. There's always a scene. There's always a moment where you're like, oh, fuck. Oh, wow. And, and in Deep Throat, it was the Coca-Cola scene. Are you familiar with this? It's, I haven't watched it in a few years. I don't want to spoil it for any so of the So the last time I saw Deep Throat, because we're going to run another rabbit, um, the, the 50th anniversary in New York City with Damiano's kids. 
Whoa! They, I love Damiano so much. They're the ones that are that are touring around the world right now with that 4K print. And this was was it a couple of months ago? Last year? So it was recent. I, yeah. I go to New York. I go to the basement of a hotel that has a single screen movie theater in it. And there's his son and daughter. There's a bunch of people who've probably never seen porno in a theater before. Amazing. And then a bunch of people who had. Yeah. And you could tell we were all kind of sitting together. You gravitate towards each this other. Was you know, too, there was a woman, and I hope to God I, I run into her in the future. She was about eight months pregnant wearing a uh, leopard print bodysuit. Amazing. Skin tight leopard. And we, 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 we talked the entire time we were waiting for the movie. I hope she had that baby. I hope she's doing well because she seemed really rad. But this was to celebrate the 4K release. They didn't get the DCP in time, so we had to watch it on 16. Which is cool. Which is, I think, cooler. Way better. So much Yeah, cooler. you get to see all the scratches on there. Well, and... you also get somebody who doesn't know how to thread 16, and they put one of the reels in upside down. Uh, so the dialogue was backwards, and whoops. upside down, and the film, and the, the picture was upside down uh, yeah. during the, the fireworks scene. And it was, I, you, you could tell the Damianos were so embarrassed that this was happening, and I think that that was the perfect way to see it. Yeah. yeah. Just yeah. The, the absolute perfect perfect you know do it's you mind also if I smoke while you eat yeah it, it's yeah it's so perfect <laughs> it's also just such like a it's like the basic bitch of golden age of porn movies. the california roll yeah it's yeah. just so like dumb and accessible and there's nothing edgy or yeah. provocative I, about it i think it's, his later films i mean even his very next movie which was the devil and miss jones fucking awesome also, also i fucking story. love that movie that's one of the, i think that was the first like narrative uh, hardcore movies that I ever saw, and I like put it on with a friend. I, I got the VHS tape at like a flea markety thing. I love that we both have the same tape. The same so tape. we've got two of them uh, in our house. Well, I think mine's different because it has these trailers beforehand that are like amazing. I gotta, I wanna record these trailers and put them out there. But anyway, uh, like I'm sitting with my friend, we're watching this movie, and like it's a great plot. If anyone hasn't seen it, it's like this prudish woman, Georgina Spelvin, who, queen. you know, is uh, just living this prudish, you know, booky mousy life and then she dies i forget what happens like hit by a bus or something she dies i think she kills herself yeah i think i think suicide suicide yeah, she kills uh, herself and the devil's like listen lady hold the phone <laughs> i feel so bad for you you never lived a day in your fucking life go back and fuck yeah so so she's on a mission now she's got a new lease on life literally and and the movie it just culminates in this amazing double penetration scene that for some reason, like, made me and my friends start cheering when it happened. <laughs> Temporary restraining order was issued today against the Topar Theaters and Associated Theaters to keep movies showing explicit sex acts from being shown to the paying public. This theater, the Lido, was already temporarily shut down for showing The Devil and Miss Jones. District Attorney Henry Wade said that criminal action for the past three years against the Lido, the Continental, and the French Art Theaters had done nothing to stop the showing of obscene movies, so now they're going to try civil action. If it's successful, it'll make it rather easy for us to do it by filing on everyone else. Judge D. Brown Walker said in issuing the restraining order that the corruption of minds, or at least the scars thereof, can never be wholly eradicated from the minds of viewers of such pictures. A hearing has been set in his court for June 29th. For Channel 8 News in the Move, this is Judy Hanna in Dallas. Speaking of tangents and speaking of Devil and Miss Jones, I have a question for you. A question that I like to ask everyone every time this comes up in conversation. Does the scene where she's having sex with a snake count as bestiality? Yes. We talked about this before. You it, think it does? Yes. If an animal is touching you while you're naked, it's bestiality. 
And I, I, I'm saying this as a man who takes a bath almost every day with his cat. <laughs> oh, you fucking pervert. <laughs> he comes in. I can't control him. <laughs> he just wants to get in the water. So, yeah, yeah no, it, it, if she's naked, if she's having sex, it's bestiality. There's no penetration. Is sex, does it require penetration? Because not Thank that you. I do. There you fucking okay. go. There you go. Another another check mark. <laughs> what's what's the, what's the balance on that? Do, do most people say it's not bestiality? I think we don't really ask a lot of people to be completely honest. I, this I've, isn't like a broad net. No, no, I've out. asked. I've asked can, a fair can, number. Of people I can see Mango question. asking a lot of people, just like at the post office, like, "Hey, like so." There's the scene where she masturbates with a snake. Does it count? As... And the, <laughs> and the right, woman at the post office does. is like, "Ma'am, we've asked you not to come yeah. in here." Ma'am, this is a Wendy's. <laughs> but yeah, you know, if it's if it's erotic, and you know. Is Emmanuel in America bestiality? She jacks off a horse. Yes. I brought yeah. that up to Lustig too, and he, he told me the name of the horse. Whoa. <laughs> that horse Samson. was living his best life. Yeah, I, to- I told him that we had screened that at our private theater. He's like, with other people? <laughs> yes, sir. I picked a bad time to take a sip. You picked the perfect time to take oh. a sip. Oh, also, though. Something that you need to see and anyone who's listening. What's that? Something that he made right around the same time as Devil and Miss Jones is Story of Joanna. It's another Gerard Damiano movie that it's like this tragic gothic drama SNM hardcore movie that Jamie is incredible in. He has a, a great gay scene with Zebedee Colt who is in this terrifying movie called sex wish and i feel like zebedee might be the only one who gets as scary as jamie sometimes but story of joanna i really want someone to find the rights or the elements or whatever it is is missing it needs a release it's so good i was just so tempted to spoil a bit from the opening of misty beethoven Ah, fuck it. Give in to temptation. Yeah. I'm giving in. I'm giving in. Listen, if you've never seen the movie and you're listening, just cover your ears for like fucking 30 seconds. If you've seen She's All That, you've seen Opening a Mystery, (laughs) you might as well watch both. Double feature time. Uh, There's a goddamn amazing scene where this dude's fucking someone and he's getting pegged from behind by this like beautiful lady with this great strap on. And I like didn't expect it. And I was like, this is great. And, and, and I love the fact that strap-on sex isn't just relegated to, like, what you would consider to be gay porn, strictly. That it well, was this... Well, I'm glad you're bringing this up because it usually was. And I think Radley... Correct me if I'm wrong here, but I think Radley Metzger was one of the first hardcore directors in the 70s to have these kinds of crossover scenes. Like, Score has a gay scene... Misty Beethoven has the pegging scene, yeah. but like not a lot of directors were doing that. Scene, when you're watching that scene in Misty Beethoven, you see they're they're in bed. There's three of them. There's yeah. two women and a, and a man, and you see her putting that strap on. On your first thought from just a, you know, decades of watching porn is okay. The guy's gonna lay back and watch as the women. Fuck you know, each other. Fuck each other so his male gaze can be us as the audience. Yes. And then all of a sudden you see those golden hairs on his ass and you're like, oh, I don't think it's Here we fucking like, go, yeah. And, did, and you, did you feel that that scene really, really, really emphasized how much lube they were going to yeah. use? Yeah. Like it goes on forever and it's almost like they're looking at the audience like this isn't going to hurt him. You should try this at Yeah, home. exactly. That, that's what I loved about it. Lube, was people. that it was so casual that it was it was this thing that wasn't there for like shock value at all it wasn't like the fucking fisting scene and cruising that's meant to like upset your straight sensibilities or anything it was 
it was just this casual thing like yeah you got a fucking g-spot in your asshole fellas like and, figure and, that out and this 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 character's entire persona is this oh, was it the goldenrod awards or something yes like that? the goldenrod golden girl. girl and and he's like a fancy schmancy producer he's a fucking libertine whose entire life is based around the pursuit of pleasure so of course he's gonna let himself get fucked because we didn't have that toxic masculinity in that context in that scene it was just so, and I don't, you know, the first times I've watched it, I didn't really start thinking about the politics of pegging. And you watch it now, and it, it subverts your expectation. You think she's going to fuck the wife, and she yeah. fucks the guy, and he fucking loves it. Ain't the first time he's been fucked. No. That strap-on was already hanging up he, on yeah. that. He does seem a little surprised, but I think also some <laughs> Anytime of, something goes in your asshole, even when you're expecting it, there's a little bit of a surprise. This is really happening. Yeah. yeah. But I feel like... It's like, you know there's going to be a prize in your Happy Meal, but when you get it, you still go, ooh. But I also feel like some of the dynamics of that scene are that it's like her graduation is that she has enough confidence and enough like mastery of her own sexual skills that she kind of dominates this guy. Even before they start having sex, instead of her going up to him, she sends a messenger to tell him that she to said, get, get your fucking ass, ass down, down yeah. here. Oh my God. <laughs> and, and, and we see, we see a, a shot on Gillis's face what the fuck is she doing? She's messing this She's up. She's going off script. And, and it's the first time we see that this character was, it, oh, what was the line? Is that your real name? No. What is your real name? Was it Denise Beethoven? It was something yes. funny. Oh, so yeah. Funny. No, uh, Mozart. Denise Mozart or something. It, it was, yeah. You, 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 he's responsible for the creation of this being in an almost like Shelley Frankensteinian, she's all that kind of way. <laughs> I'm going to keep bringing up She's All That. That's uh, yeah. the only thing I've Go got, for guys. it. But <laughs> it's the students are passing the teacher. Teacher, which is then when we see how the movie ends, no spoilers, he's finally found what he's looking for in her. Oh, and it's, it's, it's so it's nice. Great. I, it's so I cannot wholesome. stress this enough. If you, if you haven't seen it or if you've seen it before, watch it again. The opening of Misty Beethoven is just, it's such a great movie. It's going to... Yeah, it's, it's the only movie to have montage that's optimistic and celebratory and romantic where someone is learning how to suck three dicks at once. Yeah. Oh my gosh. It's the fucking, it's Rocky training, you know, and, and she's got to make everyone come at the same time. Beautiful fucking movie. Okay. Let's get you undressed. No, no, no. You don't do it yourself. You don't know how for one thing. And for another thing, when a man undresses a woman, he gets a certain amount of pleasure from that. Or if she undresses solely for him, he gets a certain amount of pleasure from that also. <sighs> Misty, it is your job to learn to develop in yourself the instinct to convert a trivial act, a mundane routine, a daily chore into something stimulating, creative, and above all, communicative. I think men stink. Well, they think you stink. In fact, it's one of the most perfectly balanced equations in nature. Misty Beethoven is getting her name in the paper. They're talking about Misty Beethoven. They're talking about Misty Beethoven. Anyway, let's uh, shift gears ever so slightly to, you know, the, the less nice territory. Why did the gold... Why did this end? What ended the golden age of porn? Because this seems like it was... Three things. I want to see if you agree or disagree. Three things. Number one, 
the rise of VHS, which changes the nature of porn. It becomes much more quicker, disposable. Come on. Our, listen, our last episode was on the glory of VHS. So I well, it like... ruined porn. Okay. 100%. Number two, HIV ruins this permissive mentality of anything goes all we need is a birth control pill and we're yeah. good and number three ronald reagan well yeah well he kind of falls into uh, so, so number you, two you have roe v wade you have the birth control pill and you have doctors who can stick a needle in your ass and get rid of the clap they can yep. get rid of whatever the 80s roll around money has yes. to come into it the the the, the, the sheer cost to profit ratio on these porno films especially once they stop realizing that most people would go into a theater. I mean, just imagine, you know, we watched Misty Beethoven as, 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 as three people watching porn together. It was not weird to yeah, us because none we're of us were wearing people. raincoats. I was behind you guys. I'm not going to, I'm not going <laughs> to, I was like, wait a second. Well, here's the problem. Cause I saw that, that Mango had kept a seat open for me. I'm like, am I going to sit right next to like, I don't know what to do. Um, I don't know where the right thing is. But, but you know, these films. Also, anyone listening, no one is allowed to call me Mango except for Please Sean. do not call her no, Mango Rita. Do not. I wouldn't even fucking do it. This no. is not appropriate. This is not your joke. This is my joke, and I want my stuff. But, uh, but you know, these, these films, imagine 1976. You're in Times Square. You've got a pocket full of quarters. You're going to go into a theater and masturbate. You feel this weird sense of shame. You're watching what turns out to be this beautiful, real movie about this this funny little man named Seymour Love, yeah. who, who mentors this 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 sex worker named uh, Misty Beethoven. Yeah, you jerk off after it's done, but you're going at jer- home or something. You're, you're, you're going to jerk off, and you're going to come ten minutes into the movie. Most people probably never saw the ending of that movie. And as soon as these predatory producers realize that they didn't need. To fly to Rome, movie. to fly to Paris, to, to have production value, to, to hire actual cinematographers, to hire actual Yeah, Radley, Radley Metzger and Gerard Damiano are both also under the gentleman pervert umbrella. They were fancy bitches. They wanted to make real movies. Yeah, Metzger especially. Metzger like knew how to use lenses. Damiano's you know? kids, you know, again, they're 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 really amazing. It's a son and daughter and they're they're traveling all around the world. They're consciously not putting deep throat on physical media right now because they want it to be an experiential thing. Yes. Go to the movies like like people did like Jackie Onassis did in the 70s. Go to the cinema and see a fuck movie and, and maybe whatever. But they admit their dad hated Deep Throat. It's not a well-made movie. It's not great. No. Uh, you know, Uncle Herbie, as they called him, which is Harry Reams, he was their kind of like, he was a friend of Damiano's. He was their uncle. He wasn't even supposed to be the doctor until yo. three days before the movie. Yeah. So I had no idea. Harriest man in the business. That, so I, I watched it last night, but I didn't like, you know, clock the credits. And... During like the first glorious deep throat scene when the fireworks are going off and she discovers her clitoris at the back of her throat, like I just can't stop looking at the fact that there is pubic hair going up this guy's entire dick. Yeah. And she's like blowing <laughs> to, to his half neck. of what she's blowing. He's is wearing his a sweater. And, and I'm thinking like, what the fuck, man? Like, well, why don't you like, you don't have to shave or anything. Like no shame. Well, but, like, so bring it down a little bit for a major scene in a this film. Is, this here. is very much a time and place and, thing. But my old AOL account back when you first could move your, your own uh, wave files as your, you've got mail was Harry <laughs> Reams saying, there it is. <laughs> and I remember That's every time I'd get a new email, you would just hear Harry say, there it is. And That's it was so corny. awesome. But I feel like this is why 
Damiano made this great movie called Skin Flicks from 78. Heather Drain and I got to do a commentary for the Vinegar Syndrome release, which is definitely one of my personal career highlights. But Skin Flicks is all about this director who wants to make art house movies, but the only funding he can get come from these gangsters who want porn. Yeah. And so the whole movie is about his like struggle to make a real film with cinematography and acting. And Jamie is fucking terrifying. In yeah. It. And, and here's, you know, we, we probably shouldn't reference Boogie Nights because it is so problematic when it comes to how it handled people's stories as far as porn. But there's that scene with, with the, the amazing Ricky Jay, where he says to the Burt Reynolds character, you've made a real movie here. And I felt it was so dismissive of guys like Damiano, guys like Radley Metzger, because the movie that they made with Chest Rockwell and Brock Landers wasn't a real movie. It was a piece of shit. And and, and they played it like a piece of shit, the, the, the kind of Johnny Wad-esque movies. Whereas some of these guys were making real Radley, movies. Radley specifically. Yeah, obviously. Radley. Um, yeah, the, the image, Licorice Quartet, they're it's gorgeous It's films. dangerous to look at them as the porno version of Ed Wood or Andy Milligan who made bad movies that they were passionate about. Yeah. And, and we, we celebrate them as the, the, the kind of quirky time capsules. Sure. Licorice Quartet is a good fucking movie. Bradley is like the hardcore version of Bunuel. I'm, I'm curious, what came after the, the quote-unquote golden age ended? Like, what was it? I mean, because Jamie Gillis still worked, and these people were still... Yeah, he made like 400 like, movies. Like, porn didn't go away, obviously, but this period of time he made 470 movies and i'm sorry Christ. jamie oh, he's got a lot of uh direct to video great uh aliases you, you well. know what it is man and, and this might Buster be hyman <laughs> this might be an outdated <laughs> reference but if 70s adult golden age cinema was a quaalude or a really good Perfect joint reference. 80s was cocaine yep it was frenetic. It was quick. Cold, it was, nobody gave a shit. Cold and shiny and all surface, no substance. So then, then you have Jamie. He starts doing the On the Prowl series. Which, could you describe that to our listeners who oh, might God, not so know I'm, about I'm, it? All I know about it is that On the Prowl uh, ushered in what was known as gonzo pornography so again i'm gonna i'm gonna reference boogie nights which objectively i like as a film i but think it's good, i've yeah. never seen it as, other than random it's a great scenes. family movie i think <laughs> as, as a movie about porn it's not good as a movie it's fine but there's a sequence in boogie nights where burt reynolds character is riding around with roller girl played by heather graham in a limo and they just pick up rando dudes on the street and say hey you see this beautiful girl how would you like to fuck her on film Hundred percent based on Gillis's on the Prowl series. He went around San Francisco, San Francisco in a cab, picking up random real dudes and letting them have sex if they could. A lot of the guys couldn't, couldn't, you know, couldn't function, and it was disheartening to watch. Yeah, yeah it was not. It nice. seems like a much darker version of. So I think it's him and when he dated cj lang they used to do this thing not on camera where they would hang out in the bathroom of a club in the men's room and guys would come in to pee and he would be like hey you want to fuck my girlfriend and they would just fuck strangers in the men's room all night or as i call it sex exactly <laughs> but but i feel like the on the on, prowl series love. Don't, uh, is a darker this 
version of that. It is the cocaine version of yeah. that. There was a desperation. There was a how do I stay relevant in yeah. an increasingly difficult market. And when you look at like the 70s, like you were saying, the gas shortages, it was a huge economic collapse. Everything was weird. Everything man. was weird. It was in flux. And But also in, in times like that, that's when these openings occur. These revolutionary openings happen in these times of uncertainty when there are possibilities for new worlds arising every day. And that's why you kind of get the right environment for the golden age of porn. And then the 80s was this conservative reaction to that. And all of the fucking Christian psychos got to say like, oh, look, look what your decadence did. You deserve AIDS. And you like, they got to, you know, fucking ride their disgusting high horse. The 70s were the perfect reaction to the 60s. So you had this, this monumental change as a society. And then the 70s, the reality that the way we all grew up is fucked. Our dad doesn't hug us. You know, yeah. our, men can't have feelings unless the feelings, feelings are anger. The 60s were this great promise of freedom and progress. And, the, you know, by, by, the, by 1970, you had the Manson murders. You had JFK was assassinated. You had RFK assassinated. You had Martin Luther King assassinated. So and, you, and like every single major leftist leader around the world. Yeah. So when you look at the cinema of the 70s, even not erotic cinema, there is a betrayal of what we thought of as America. Then you get into the 80s and it's a reaction to the 70s yes, of, well, you have all these hippies who were at Woodstock and they love peace and love, but they're also investment bankers in yeah, New York. It's the greed is good era. It is the greed is good era. And that, you know. And that shows up in porn. And, and, and it's so crazy. Hair how slicked back, pinky yeah. rings. People, people don't think this, but porn really is... It's like a barometer at, at times. It, it's not reacting to anything that's happening. It is it's reflecting. A it's a mirror, yeah, precisely. Yeah, it, it, and and that shows in the eras. And like now, uh, with fucking like you know your your TikTok fucking Instagram reels, your you know ten second video loops. We're back to that shit where it's like you're. We're back to the twenties and stag. Yeah, we're loops. back to these fucking stag loops, which to me are. are like, I mean, don't get me wrong. I fucking jerk off to them. But I mean, they're kind of gross because they're... It's, yeah, they're kind of soul-destroying in a you way. Don't they don't you make jerk you off to TikTok reels? No. <laughs> Which ones? That's not what I meant. Forward but, them. <laughs> but what I'm saying is that, like, it's it's... Yeah, we're back to... The old shit. We're back to like just having the brief yeah, bite and, and honestly, thing you can consume. And it makes fucking sex look so ridiculous so when it's devoid of the like that phantasmic, uh, you know, layer. All you're seeing is just this like thrusting motion that after a while, when you're looking at it, you're like, this looks stupid. You guys look like fucking idiots. I found that with my archival work, when I'm doing um, a lot of the stuff in my archives are 19 early 1980s videotapes that were never intended to last this long. So they're kind of a priority for me to, to pull off, yeah. digitize, and try to clean up as yeah. possible. It's the intersection of the gay community, the body piercing community, the tattoo community, and I painstakingly digitize, clean up, try to find the context of who's this person? Oh, this was in Carl Rove's dad's house or, or whatever, which is <laughs> no. 100% Carl Rove's dad. No fucking way. Carl Rove's father had probably 100 gold piercings in his cock. His name was Indy. He was openly gay. He was his adopted father. And apparently while he was in the Bush White House, Rove had a picture of Indy on his desk, not of his cock, which is, you know, 
kind of a shame, but yeah. yeah. So, so, so yeah, we, we try wow. to, con- we try to contextualize this stuff and then we'll put these little, these little video clips on Instagram where we have, you know, like combined 20 something thousand followers and you never look at the analytics. People drop off after 14 seconds. And, and, you know, here's something that I may have spent two weeks of my life making sure that this one of a kind piece of history that shows people with a septum piercing yeah. that you have your septum piercing because some gay power bottom in the seventies wanted a bull ring and that's what you're carrying on. And, and, and the, the, the people who, who come to my sites are always very complimentary. They love seeing what they're seeing, but you look, you watched 14 seconds of a minute long video, which is a clip of a 20 minute video. And after 14 seconds, you've decided I've had, I've had enough. Yeah. And you, and you might've even had a very good 14 seconds. You probably really love those 14 seconds, but, but like you're fucking, you're done. It's you're just done another now. thing to consume today. Yes. And that's very much what eighties porn became is yeah. it's yes. just another thing to consume Quick Precisely. Turnover. and it's, it's, why spend a lot of money on it. And you know, I mean, to, to Jamie, you, you have him riding around a limo. It was clearly when you talk about what he was doing with CJ Lang, it was something that he probably felt was very erotic and very arousing, Yeah, but it was also so wildly dehumanizing. And so like lonely in a way that a lot of the seventies porn isn't. Yeah. How, did you, scary des- how did you describe him at the top of the show? Do you remember? That would be dangerous vulnerability. Dangerous vulnerability. Yeah. That's in my notes. Because I wanted to sound really smart. It sounded great. I mean, it's it, here it, it is, is coming great. back around. I mean, but, you're... but there is a loneliness, and and you know, God bless Ashley and Ashley West from the Rialto Report. You know, yes, the, the, we, we love putting this stuff out. These yes. these private tapes of his listening to Jamie talk. There's just a sadness there. Yeah. There's just a, a fear of being alone, a fear of not being loved, and you can see that in the back of that car as he's just glad to be around people, but it goes out of control. Yeah. And, yeah. and one of the things about porn sets um, is, you know, people they know each other, they love each other, they're yeah. going to go. They have, take care of each other. They take care of each other. They're going to have dinner with each other. They hang out with each other's families and yeah. kids. So many of the anecdotes you hear just back that up. That say like, oh, I was treated like absolute garbage when I broke into Hollywood, when I got into the fucking, you know, the producer's room, which was like, you know, the fucking, just the casting couch is what Hollywood is. Whereas these porn sets, they looked out for each other, you know? Now you take, you take on the prowl. And you remove that safety net. You There's remove no that concern. You have yeah. some horny guy who can't believe he gets to fuck that girl. He's going to be rougher because he grew up on shitty 80s porn. He's not going to know how to be respectful. And I feel like Jamie created something that got out of his control pretty Definitely. quickly. Yeah. You know? and, but is such a reflection of the time in so many ways. And to me, I think part of one of the many reasons I came to love Jamie is he represents this kind of like Sadian excess in human form in such a great way that inevitably seems like it has to turn to darkness, even though like the last couple decades of his life, he, he was a kept man. Yeah. He was this fancy rich lady's, boyfriend and they like went on trips and at no point did they seemingly try to cover up who jamie was to her her new york society friends oh this is my this is my partner jamie he he did dirty he's been films. in almost 500 hardcore films 470 sam thank you <laughs> jamie gillis i have uh, heard you describe in many ways two of which that immediately come to mind is one the best actor in porn two the sickest actor in porn. 
that you will do things no other male star will do in porn. Well, I think that's all part of being the best actor in porn. In other words, there are a lot of people who uh, are more limited than I am. I like to feel that I can do what I'm called upon to do. Uh, I have a wider range than a lot of people. Uh, and whatever I do, I, I try to take the seriousness possible, even if it's a, quote, sick role. All right. Uh, to close the episode out, I have kind of a, uh, a philosophical question, uh, and I got a fucking long-winded setup to it, so please uh, indulge me here. Uh, like five or six years ago, I went to a, a test screening for a, a movie that my friend had made, and it was like his first like real movie. It had like a, you know, like a Martin Scorsese kind of produced it. It had like one of the biggest and most famous and most beautiful actresses in Hollywood starring in it. And I was like really excited for my friend going to this test screening. Eh, movie wasn't really that great. That's irrelevant. It was like this like Bonnie and Clyde stand by me coming of age movie set in the dust bowl. Uh, there's this sex scene three quarters of the way through the film where, you know, this beautiful, super famous actress is like showing this like young scrawny kid the ropes and like, you know, he's all nervous and jingling around and his bones are weak and she's like, ah, like, calm down kid, I'll show you what to do. And there's this moment where uh, she licks her hand and then reaches down to her, you know, crotch area to like insert him into her. And it was just this very real and visceral scene in this movie. And the movie the whole time was just it was trying to capture the real emotion of like coming to age and coming to your sexuality and all of this realness. And it was this very Hollywoody feeling movie. And this, this very real moment occurred. And every single person that I was in my party and even me to an extent had to write in your little like write up sheet afterwards that you send to the fucking producers or whoever is like the overlord of the production. Uh, you know, what didn't you like? What didn't work? And every single person wrote that scene went too far. And like, this is like, you'd think every single person would be excited to see the most like beautiful woman in Hollywood do this like crazy sex stuff. But like, but no one wanted that. Like everyone was appalled by that. They were fine with the sex scene and stuff, but they were like, that was too far. The hand licking, reaching down. It was just this reality that no one wanted to fucking see. And I, I have this theory. Here's where the, the philosophy bullshit comes in that in pornography or hardcore films, there is this unreality when you're dealing with everything else that isn't the sex. When there's like, you know, a character who's sent back to earth to keep fucking or, you know, uh, a pizza shop that also sends ladies to your house, you know, On roller skates. Yeah. There, there is this like fantastical unreality that exists in these films. And then you get the real thing. They show it all, baby. You know, it's all there. And I think that they have to be that way, that, that, that people are, are terrified and shocked and mortified by having real emotion and real, you know, the att or at least the Hollywood attempt at the real emotion stuff. Yeah, it's none of it's real. Uh, but, you know, but you know what I mean, where like they're, you know, Robert Altman's trying to make you feel like, you know, your marriage is falling apart. I don't fucking, I've never seen any of his movies, but you know what I'm saying. But do you know what I'm, where, where I'm getting here? That like you need to have these two things separated on screen or else you freak out and that's and the golden age of porn kind of bridged like, the gap between those two uh, well at okay times, so i at think at times it was the closest that i think we ever really got to but i think when you do actually get there 
it's horrifying. It's, it's only horrifying. So I understand what you're saying, but have to totally disagree. I think the problem is Calvinism. Calvinism makes us hate our bodies. And when you're showing like a Hollywood mainstream film that's focusing on sex or eroticism or romance, it presents this very specific, often sanitized fantasy where we're never seeing like real bodies like like in a Lena Vertmuller movie where people who are having sex have scars and disfigurement and some of them are fat and like they have real bodies they don't have these like size two airbrush waxed to perfection bodies and so I think when you take that Hollywood version of the fantasy of real relationships, and I'm air quoting real. Well, I guess I, I don't necessarily just mean Hollywood. I mean like fucking Bergman or something or like the, the quote unquote like great auteur directors who just like want to show you real human emotion you like know the these... director of she's all that yes thank you thank you <laughs> <laughs> i just wanted to add some levity because you guys are you back. guys are you guys are blowing my blowing my minds i you know I, I feel like you look at a lot of the golden age stuff and there's there's scenes we were talking about the uh the through the looking glass with the douche scene or there's there's these little glimpses of things that people do when no one else is looking yes like the hand licking scene like the hand licking yes, thing yes um, like uh, that, that's something that everyone in the theater had done we, i'm we, sure we can we can talk about how uh boys don't cry got an x rating because after brandon tina went down on chloe sevigny um the performer wipe the back of their their hand on their mouth to get the the you know like it was a it was a very yeah. real moment and none of the other content including the very violent murder of Tina, got at the x rating the x rating was because they wiped their mouth yeah. after they had oral sex and and you look at a lot of the porn of the 70s not so much with the 80s where it just it gave us these private glimpses into the banality and the mundane yeah. of sexuality and the vulnerability of bodies and the vulnerability of bodies. And I think that, that that's something that is exclusive to the 70s. Probably because they had so many fucking quaaludes. <sighs> Lemons. Everything was Yo. way less chill. You get a, so, like, my dad is, hasn't smiled in, like, you know, 20 years. But if you mention quaaludes around him, like, the lights start turning on in his eyes. And he just gets this, like, boyish look. Like, oh, it was so good yeah, oh my god, time. We, it was different we, then. <laughs> we, went to, we went to Key West with his dad a couple months ago. And we were just, like, hanging out drinking. And I don't even remember why the subject came up. But his parents are very, like, you can ask whatever. And they're fine with it. And I was like, so tell me, did you do Quaaludes? And he was just like, like this glow yeah, came over him. Fucking turns into Peter Pan. <laughs> I knew I knew a leather daddy named Terry. Terry had a handlebar mustache who looked like he had just stepped right out of cruising. And Terry would always, he would, he would get high on two hits from a joint. He would always say, my kingdom for a joint. And <laughs> he was elderly he was maybe 70 years old looked like he was in his 40s but he had lived through that era that gay men of my generation didn't always live through yeah and you would get him high on that one joint and he'd he'd look at you dead in the eye and he'd say you know sean at one point i had a bottle of bottle of lemons a bottle of quaaludes in my refrigerator for like four years and i would just take one just one because he didn't mm. want those quaaludes to go yeah. away. And it's like, that's the fucking dream right there. It's like, you have this whole bottle of quaaludes, but you're only going to do one. Yeah. And that's the 70s. Ah, John, thank you so much for, for coming on the show. This is And being a gentleman pervert. I, truly. I adore you, obviously, but I will say that Mango Rita, anything you ever need, we got you. 
Thank you, and likewise. Uh, and we're not going to explain the Mangarito joke because that's no. not for you. No, it's an inside joke. If you're listening to this, you're on the outside. But also, Sean did make some amazing Jamie Gillis Appreciation Society shirts, which I will put in our show notes. They come in both yellow and brown. <laughs> and that's not some sort of subtext. I just picked those two colors randomly. randomly. Yeah, yeah. Very <laughs> random of you. All right, Sam, you got anything to plug? You've been working on anything? Uh, Honestly, the only things I wanted to plug were the Jamie Gillis shirts and my wonderful friend Lee. Was that a firework that was, that or was a, a gunshot? Welcome to Philly. Yeah. Bam. Uh, so my wonderful friend Lee, and I will put this in the show notes also, made these great tote bags that are just Jamie Gillis's business card from the 90s. Oh, that's sick. dirty old Gillis. Yo, dirty I Gillis. love. Uh, there was one episode where you mentioned like water power and Jamie Gillis, and one of our friends and listeners of the show, uh, known as Grindhouse Seller. Oh sent, yeah, he sent us a care package with all, all these Jamie Gillis pins, water it's power beautiful. DVD, and just like yeah, uh, I now own like six copies of Water Power and oh god, bring to, them on to the person who made the dirty old Gillis tote bag. I will say that my wife, who has patiently been sitting here the entire episode watching us knitting yeah. a blanket, knitting a blanket for <laughs> for an infant, yeah, she is not a Jamie Gillis fan. She finds Jamie particularly particularly disturbing. Why is it's it the thumb? It's the thumb. It's and um, one day, one day, my, my beautiful wife, Julia, says, I got you a present because we like to, you know, we've been together for 10 years. You got to buy each other a little. Is it one thing. of those novelty thumbs? She bought me the dirty old Gillis bag. Oh. And I open, you know, not expect, I was going to buy it. I think uh, Sam and I had talked about it. I was going to buy it. And she, she's like, hey, I got you a present. I'm like, oh, thank you, love. And I open it up and it's this dirty old Gillis bag, which I know. That's love. I take to the grocery store. So to the person who made that bag, thank you so much because you connected my wife with Jamie Gillis and I feel like maybe she will eventually warm up to him. Oh yeah. yeah. So that's Two my thumbs up to that person. My very talented friend Lee, who's in this great band called The Body, through his uh, screen printing store, which I will, like I said, share in the show notes, he's done everything from like Sylvia Plath shirts to like all this kind of crazy shit that you just wouldn't see on any other bootleg shirts. Hey store. Lee, she's all that, buddy. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Wait, Sylvia Plath, that's the bell jar bitch, right? Wow. <laughs> Have some respect for Sylvia. I'm gonna edit that out. There's no way I'm leaving that joke in. Uh, it's hot as an oven in here. Oh, but um. Thank you, Mango. <laughs> I got a, I got one shot. We've already mentioned him already on the show, but I, I want to shout out Ashley West one more time. Oh who's, yes, Rialto Report. Whose Rialto forever. Report show is just. Like, we are, are, are wearing funny hats that just say porn on them for one day. This guy never takes the hat off. He is the, the fucking, an absolute king and his... So many incredible interviews. The work like, such he important puts in historical is so, work. so, so, Ashley so and good. April, we, we adore you. Yes, yeah, thank we you. Really so do. We are You're... also greatly indebted to you. For sure. My God, I just listened to your show and repeated what you said for this episode. That's all I do. 
So many great Jamie interviews and so many great interviews with people Jamie worked with. Oh my God, the Jerry Butler episode, beautiful. Oh and and the my my girl Sharon Mitchell, who we didn't get to bring up today. We we'll have All to right. do a Sharon episode, but she has, wrap it up. It's hot. She has great Jamie stories about how kindly he treated her and how he took care of her. Cool. And we're definitely we're gonna link to all your all your shit in the show well, notes, Mr. Sean. Thanks for coming on. This was fun. Yeah, thank you. Anytime, y'all. All right, bye. Bye.